Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and the true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our conference final standouts of the NBA conference finals. So, Jalen, who is your first conference final standout? Man, this is kind of basic. I'm not going to lie, but man of the hour is this boy, A.D. Anthony Davis for the Los Angeles Lakers has been eating all postseason and then goes 31-9 and in a game that they really low-key did not deserve to win, if we're going to be honest. Um, The Denver Nuggets went one of seven in the fourth quarter from three, which is very uncharacteristic of them considering how – much they relied on the three-point shot coming down the stretch against the Clippers in the last three games that were pretty much all do or die for them. And they shot poorly from three practically for the night overall, but the fourth quarter is where it really showed up. I mean, it was, I mean, only eight threes on the night off of 34 attempts, which is like horrendous for any NBA team, but definitely for a Denver Nuggets team that has guys that can stretch the floor. I'll say this, AD... Everybody's going to talk about the shot that he hit to close the game. And it's, it's interesting because when you listen to Rondo's quote, um, quote at the end of the game, essentially he was the last option on the play. It was a, it was a play, uh, according to AD, that was drawn up for LeBron. Yet, if you watch the tape, LeBron James did not move on that play, yet he was still double covered. It shows you how much of a decoy LeBron James, even in year 17, can act as. But it still comes down to AD hitting the shot being the last option. Rondo said that he looked for two different cuts to the basket as potential game winners rather than a contested or potentially contested three from Anthony Davis to seal the game. But more so than that, this Lakers team held off the Nuggets in game two when I wouldn't say essentially the Nuggets gave them their best shot, but when Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. combined for a total of 60 points on the night, you feel as though they they have a really good chance to win the game. And they were in the game for practically the entire night. So give it to AD to uplift his team in the final, um, the closing moments of the game, because honestly, this is a game that could have swung the momentum back in Denver's favor. And we both already understand that once Denver gets the ball rolling, it's kind of hard to turn the switch off. So by AD hitting that big shot and killing it dead right then and there, it's putting the Nuggets back into another fight or flight mode, which yes, will mean we might see the best out of them moving forward. But it also gives him a lot of confidence as a closer, knowing that he doesn't rely, have to rely on LeBron James or some of these other guys on the team to, quote-unquote, be closers for a Lakers team that he has to be the leader of moving forward. I couldn't agree with you more, and I have to go with Anthony Davis. I think he's living up to the expectations of a Western Conference final series, especially on a team with LeBron James as LeBron's trying to chase his fourth ring. I think AD's had a strong start to this series as well. Game one, 37 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, 12 of 21 from the field. Game two, 31 points, nine rebounds, two assists, 11 of 23 from the floor. He hit two threes, including the game winner. And then he, got, he really got involved on defense 
with a steal and two blocks. I think he's anchoring a front court that really stepped up in game one, but almost let the game slip away in game two if it wasn't for that game-winning three that he had. Um, I think if he keeps up these types of performances, he may end up leading the Lakers to the finals. My only concern is that they're playing the Denver Nuggets, who are a team that you can never count out given that they've already come back from two 3-1 deficits. And my main concern is that if there's a 3-1 lead that the Lakers have, then you probably know what's going to happen, and the Denver Nuggets may end up coming back for a third straight time. But I think it's really going to rely on how well guys like Anthony Davis play and guys like Dwight Howard play and guys like uh, JaVale McGee, like how they all step up and how they can make sure that the Lakers go to the finals. And, I mean, kind of playing off of that, though, Ryan, I mean, the thing that we all need to keep an eye on is you just named three bigs for the Lakers that all have the assignment of playing Nikola Jokic, and that's going to make it tough on him moving forward in the series. But with that being said, like, you know, we both kind of rode with Anthony Davis as quote-unquote being the standout player in this series. But we cannot sleep on Nikola Jokic either, though. We just named, like I said before, in three guys who have the responsibility of anchoring down on who we would consider to be the Nuggets' best player. And in game two, 30 points, six rebounds, nine assists. This is a guy who's capable of getting double-digit assists and rebounds, by the way. So this is somebody who still has a huge effect on the game, even without points, and he still managed to drop 30. Moving forward, I do feel as though the Nuggets do have a fighting chance. I don't think they're going to get as killed as certain people would see. The other thing is, Ryan, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into them coming back from 3-1 for a third time. Um, I understand that the Cinderella story aspect of it is something that we all kind of just want to see keep seeing happening. But although the circumstances of the, these playoffs being in the bubble, no fans, things of that, um, things of that uh, nature are uncharacteristic, yes, we've already seen a quote-unquote a, a handful of impossibles so far this postseason with the Nuggets, but I feel as though this Lakers team is significantly more mentally tough than both teams that we saw the Nuggets pull that off on. Unlike the Clippers, in the fourth quarter, rather than the Lakers seeing the Nuggets come back and folding under that pressure, they were able to seal the deal in both games. I mean, the first game wasn't even really close, essentially, and they never let the Nuggets back in it. In the second game, yes, they had to steal it, but when the Nuggets started to try to kind of plow their way back into the game, the Lakers still always kind of, in a way, had control on the floor. So um, that nip and tuck between Jokic and AD is going to be something we obviously need to keep our eyes on the most. It's weird to not even talk about LeBron James too much in this series, but I think it's because we understand that this is a series where AD has to dominate in order for them to move forward. So I like that matchup entirely. Um, Just have to see how far it goes. Yeah, and I think you touched on all the points considering the fact that, yes, McGee, Howard and Davis are all going to have to guard Nikola Jokic at some point, and that's already a tough task, considering how how amazing he's played in this he's played in the playoffs so far. So I I guess we have to see what happens in order for a uh, in order for the Lakers to really make the play in order to in order for the Lakers to make the finals. Um, so going on to the second standout player, Jalen, who is your second standout player? 
Um, I kind of doubled up on this one because I had a little bit of a, a difficult time, honestly. Um, although the Celtics did win uh, game three in order to finally start boosting momentum, um, the guys that I'm actually going to lean with in this um, in, so far in this series in terms of what's really popped out to me is um, the two Kentucky guys um, for the Heat, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero. Bam came up huge, big block on Jason Tatum in game one to help seal that victory. I mean, honestly, you could say that in a, in, in a momentum shift, I said this before the series started, game one was going to dictate, quote-unquote, the, the, um, the future, the dynamic, the overall control of the series, who was going to kind of imprint themselves um, and strike first. And Miami was able to do that with Bam anchoring down on the defensive end, and that probably was the biggest play that highlighted that. Um, but then to come in game two, Jimmy Butler, 17 points on the night. Granted, that's around – that's closing in on about his his typical average between 18 and 20 points per game. Kept Goran Dragic the dragon quiet. Pretty much been averaging about 20 points per game all postseason. Held them to 11 points, the Celtics did. But Bam Adebayo comes up with 27 points and 16 rebounds in the game to keep this game close. Tyler Hero, 36 minutes. 22 points did not play like a rookie at all has not really been playing like a rookie all 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 postseason and this was one of those games where he had to harbor a little bit more of the offensive load than we would have expected on a team that has a handful of guards who can put the ball in the basket Jimmy Butler obviously Goran Dragic who's been um, relatively consistent Duncan Robinson was I would say relatively quiet from three considering he only had 13 points on the night so, I, like, the two Kentucky guys, the Wildcats are representing crazy right now. Uh, Rondo has had a very good um, postseason since coming back. Obviously, AD, and then, of course, Bam and Tyler. So, um, you know, weird, weird way that that uh, all works for this segment in terms of all the standouts on my end being Kentucky guys. But, I mean, they're playing their hearts out, and it's showing on the scoreboard and the stat sheet that they're, you know, doing their thing to put their team in the best position to win. Yeah, it's not only Kentucky Appreciation Day on the Who Talk podcast, but it's also Front Court Appreciation Day because I'm also selecting Bam Adebayo. Um, I also I think Tyler Hero has played great in this series. I think the one thing he needs to improve on is his three point shooting. Um, his numbers are not looking great right now in this series, especially in the last game. He went four of twelve from the field um, or from the from beyond the arc. So he's he definitely has to step up on that. Um, but Bam Adebayo has really, has, has really surprised me in this series against the Celtics, considering that both teams are not strong on the front court aspect, but I think Bam Adebayo is really a standout in this series, considering what you mentioned in game one, um, he had 18 points, six rebounds, nine assists. I mean, pretty much incredible for a guy that only averaged two assists last season and he ended up shooting 5 of 12 from the field, a steal, and two blocks, of course, one of them being the game winner on Jason Tatum. Um, game two, he had 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block, 10 of 16 from the, from the floor. And, and in game three, 27 points, 16 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, and an assist, 10 of 14 from the floor. I'm going to say the same thing. Um, with Bam that I said about Anthony Davis. 
I think it's really going to have to come down to how well the front court plays in this series. I think that if the Celtics do come back from this series, I would have to blame it on, on the performance of the front court. Um, and I think that it really does kind of rely on how well both front courts, the Lakers and the Heat, play in their series because the Celtics are pretty much back in the running for this series, back in the running for winning this series. The Nuggets, even though they're down 2-0, there's a chance they could come back in game three and possibly win not only game three, but also game four and even up the series. So I think it's going to be the same thing for the Heat backcourt with Bam Adebayo. Um, they really have to step up and they have to shut down the series. I mean, kind of just leaning off that just so that we're not like too similar in terms of our quote unquote standouts. The other route that I would obviously go for the uh, Boston Celtics, oddly enough, um, when I did my article the other day about this series and Boston winning uh, game three, I, I labeled them the core four being Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kimball Walker, and Marcus Smart, actually, who had themselves a night. I mean, had themselves a night in game three combined for 92 of the 117 points that were scored in that game. Uh, Jalen Brown led the way with 26. Jason Tatum was uh, was flirting with a triple-double, pretty much did have a double-double in the night, 25 points, eight assists, 14 rebounds. Um, although it doesn't stand out on the, uh, on the stat sheet all that much, the other standout guy that I'll have to pick in this series and on the Boston side would have to be Gordon Hayward. Obviously, him coming back is kind of huge for their team. Jason Tatum made it very um, apparent after the game that anybody who thinks that this team is better without Gordon Hayward is crazy and that the impact that he has on the floor is more significant than just the typical uh, points, rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, counting stats that we all kind of rely on to dictate a player's impact on the game. Um, Six points five rebounds, four assists, 30 minutes. He ate up a lot of the minutes that normally Brad Wanamaker gets for them in that backcourt slash frontcourt area at the three, at the two, three. And I mean, he played well. I mean, granted it was, you know, getting your feet underneath yourself after being out for what was it? Three, four weeks um, on his end from an ankle injury. Um, I mean, it was a grade three sprain. We're lucky he even came back or I would say in the Celtics case, they're lucky they even uh, that he even came back in the first place to be able to participate. But his 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 main dynamic to me on this team is his ability to help open up the floor. If you realize in game three, the Heat were not packing the paint as much in the game, and it kind of it, it kind of changed the dynamic of how the series went because it was a lot of one on one ball, a lot of pound the dribble, and a lot of just trying to beat your man because with the Heat. They switch between man and zone, and it's one of those things that was kind of rough for their forwards, so they were settling for threes. In this game, in game three, the point differential in game three was a dominance of 60 points in the paint to 36 points in the paint for the Heat. If if you tell me that Boston can outscore Miami in the paint, point-blank range within 10 feet of the basket by 20-plus points, they're they're evening up this series in game four and, and going to take a lead in game five moving forward if that's something that can consistently take place. 
And I mean, Gordon Hayward has a lot to do with that because his spacing opens up the floor and those guys like to drop, like to drive. Jason Tatum loves to drive. Jalen Brown been shooting the three relatively well in this postseason, but he will catch a body or two. We've seen it already. I mean, even Marcus Smart lived at the free throw line, had a rough shooting night, five of 10 from the floor, but had 10 free throws to lead everybody on the floor that night in free throw attempts and hit all 10 of them on top of that to get to his 20 points. I mean, Gordon Hayward, hey, I mean, he ain't got to score 20 a night to make the Celtics look good because the way he he draws emphasis on the defense, it allows their team to play four and five out and it opens lanes for them. And I mean, it looks like Miami's going to have to change their game plan a little bit more or a little bit um, in general, if they want to be able to, you know, hold the uh, hold the Boston Celtics back from making a run at taking this lead. So that's a good transition to our question of the day for our fans. Who do you see as your conference final standouts from the NBA conference finals? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars. And of course, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.